Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Expect anything different. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. I am Chris Solomon, and joining me for the second time on the podcast, our friend from the great white north, the biggest Ryder Cup fan I know, despite not having any allegiance to any teams participating in it. The biggest Mike Weir fan on the planet that I know, Mr. Adam Sarson. Adam, Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too, man. And uh, I am probably the biggest Mike Weir fan that uh, that you know, and that's there aren't very many of us left out there. So, so it's, uh, it's it's good to see him every April, even though it's usually one for two rounds. What uh, when is his? How long is he exempt through? Is it his? Does his exemption run out first, or does Kirk Ferentz's contract at Iowa run out first? <laughs> He actually, I believe he is on a special temporary exemption this year. He's got both a major and a minor medical. Um, so I believe he's got like eight or ten events or something to make a certain amount of money. So the chances of that happening are probably slim and none, but you will see him at Augusta. So you're going to have to put up with that until he decides to pack it in. I hate to laugh, but only Mike Weir could use two injury exemptions in the same year. I don't even know what those mean, but it seems like it was specifically invented for Mike Weir. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not looking good. Well, for those that haven't uh, already turned it off, we do not plan about to talk about Mike Weir for this entire session. But uh, kind of want to do an off-season podcast. It's been forever since I've done one. Um, and 2015, a lot happened. 2016 is going to be nuts. So, And Adam's been working a lot harder than I have in the past few <laughs> months. And he's put together a list of 60 things that happened uh, over the past year, I guess, in 2015. You can check that out at adamsarson.com. And I want to talk about a few of the things on that list, as well as talk about 2016 um, in, and what predictions Adam has, predictions I have, and and uh, talk about the crazy condensed schedule that we're going to have this next year. But first, we're going to start off with Adam's number one story. And I think, I, I don't remember if you put this disclaimer in, but when we talked about putting together your list... You're going to put the disclaimer in that the, the point of it wasn't to rank the stories in order of importance necessarily from 1 all the way to 60, but the number one item on your list is Tiger Woods' poor year in 2015. How did you get to that conclusion? Well, to, to be perfectly honest, you're right. I mean, there, wasn't, uh, there wasn't really a ranking system necessarily. Um, you know, I did want to touch on, obviously, you know, look, we had a great year in 2015. Um, you know, obviously with Jordan Spieth and Jason Day doing what they did. You know, Rory is, you know, he won four times, and people still probably think he had a bad year. So, I mean, you know that that's where we're kind of at. You know, Lydia Ko as well. Like, we, no one's really talking about her. The majors were fantastic. Probably the best year for majors that we had um, in my lifetime anyway. But to me, what was the biggest story for me was just truly how bad Tiger was. Now, granted, we can talk about how he was bad last year in 2014 as well. But it really got to seemingly a, a whole other level. I mean, he failed to break 80 three times. You know, he, it one, he shot an 85 at the Memorial. Like, he's won there, what, eight times. Um, you know, he got, he got clowned on Twitter by the AARP. Like, this, this, is not, this is not something that we were... Like, we were expecting Jordan to be, to be great. We were expecting Jason Day to be great. 
Um, and maybe we weren't expecting Tiger to be great, but we certainly weren't expecting this either. Yeah, I mean, you left out he lost a tooth at a ski at a ski tournament or a ski race of some kind, or he claimed he had a tooth knocked out and somehow didn't bleed as he as it's in the process of losing a tooth. If it, if it wasn't for Robert Allenby, that would be the weirdest story of the year, without question. Uh, I, I, and I, you can even argue that it's even more weird than Allenby, funny enough. I think I think you can definitely make the case. Well, and I, also the fact that he dislocated a bone in his wrist at the Masters and put it back in place and then finished the remain the last nine holes. That was pretty That's impressive. Totally normal. Yeah. You can absolutely do that. Yeah. That's not an issue. Yeah. Well, I, I disagreed in general with having Tiger being the number one story of the year just with everything that happened just because I, I I'm not going to say written off Tiger, but like I'm just kind of – until he shows me something, I'm kind of out on him. I mean what – I got really excited at the Wyndham when he when he made that – he made a run at it. It was in the final group on Sunday. It had a, a, a triple on Sunday that kind of uh, it broke his back, but no pun intended. But um, – I don't know. I just it doesn't. He, he moves the needle for me, obviously, but I'm just not. I'm not depending on him from week to week. I don't. I don't think anyone really is. And it was the the, the our transition away from him in 2015. I thought was the biggest story, and what Spieth did, and what Day did, trying to steal the way, the year away from Spieth, and Spieth basically reclaiming it again with the Tour Championship. I mean, it was man. It's, it's going through your list. It's just so easy to forget all the things that happened, like Rory Rory tossing the club in the water, and obviously like. <laughs> You know, it, it's you're, you're not wrong. 2015 was fantastic, but just one quick thing on Tiger too. Like, there's only one person who can make the Wyndham an appointment viewing yeah. situation here, yeah. and and that's him. Like that's and the fact is that he people found out who Tom Hoagie was apparently by playing with him. Like it, it's these are the things that happen when Tiger is playing well, and he, he did play well from you know in very very short instances. But uh, you know that that's partially to me why it was so important. I mean, he's he's the reason why you might sign up for PGA Tour Live. He's the you know the, the, this it, it was still so shocking to me to see him you know play the way he did. So yeah, I just I have trouble separating him playing poorly with from the injury. I don't think you can really separate the two at this point, but. Um, I just I don't know. I'd like to see him playing healthy, and if he really, I don't think he's really this terrible of a player now. You know, if if, no, if he's healthy and can get the reps, yeah, and can get the reps, I think he's going to be fine. Obviously, not to what he used to be, but I mean, it's easy to forget he was in the third to last group of the Masters. If it wasn't for Speed, what Speed did at the Masters, he would have been pretty much in contention at Augusta come Sunday, which is pretty crazy to think of now after the summer he had after that moment, but. Um, yeah, I mean, with the injury now, I'm not expecting really much of anything for him for 2016. I'd be, I'd be shocked if he played the Masters at this point. I don't know. Where do you, would do you, would you have a, a stance on that yet? Uh, I honestly, based on the way he's been talking, I'd be shocked if we saw him at the Masters as well. I mean, I, I think what he's probably thinking in his head, I'm sure he's thinking, okay, you know what? I'll be able to start working out again sometime soon, and I'll be able to get back, but. Just the way you saw the the dejected look on his face throughout the the Hero World Challenge last month, like he's he's not ready to do this. And you know the fact that he's already been named the vice captain for the Ryder Cup, I almost think I think Rory kind of referenced this as well a few months ago when it happened. But to me, that was almost like a raising of the white flag for him. It's like you know what, I need to be involved somehow. So this is how I'm going to do it because I'm clearly not going to be able to 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 qualify on points. I'm not going to be able to play. So. Um, I, I'm not expecting anything from him in 2016. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's 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 definitely the safe safe projection. And uh, 
I, I, I'm just I'm just mostly surprised though that you thought that was a more a bigger story this year than Paige Sporanic though. I mean that's that's what I thought the big the big main story. Uh, if you read headlines this time of year, that that was the the main takeaway from twenty twenty fifteen. I mean, um, it was like it's, it's, daily. It's, it's, it was daily. It was like she posted a new Instagram picture. It's daily. Like, I I just don't understand news news or any any I guess big publications thinking that a po- unless you find something really funny like in a post on social media or like some underlying joke there that needs explaining, why does that get turned into a blog post? Like Jordan Spieth made a tweet to end 2015. Why does that get turned into an article? Like who who's fo- who's not following Jordan Spieth on Twitter? Like who needs that like that update on on what Jordan Spieth there was, is tweeting? There was one a couple days ago about Natalie Galvis, uh, you know, talking about how you know she not losing her bag at all in 2015 or whatever, and she was tempting fate or something. I was just like, what is this garbage? But it's it's what uh, unfortunately it's what they they have to do sometimes. It's not. Uh, it's not certainly what you or I do on our sites, but I mean, it's obviously a completely different scenario for them. Uh, yeah. They obviously have to do those sorts of things, so yeah. um, it, is, it is what it is, unfortunately. The reaction to, to Paige Spiranoff, though, was absolutely insane. Like, I, I didn't understand. Like, people were crucifying her for absolutely no reason. I mean... To back up, you're, uh, you're, just, you're talking about her getting a uh, sponsor's exemption into the Ladies' European Tour event, correct? Yeah, exactly. I mean... You know, if I'm if I'm a struggling tour pro, I don't care what the reason is. I'm absolutely taking an invite. It doesn't. It, it just doesn't matter. No, yeah, no. I mean, I I I, <laughs> I, get, I get on Mike Weir for taking invites that he probably shouldn't be accepting and and blocking out other people. No, no. I think yeah, the, the, it's very misguided. Um, the anger, I guess, or the frustration towards her getting an invite, but it's just kind of like it's a slippery slope. It's like. Are we really going to start? And I'm we meaning like I have any influence on who gets into ladies European tour events? But like, is that really what's going to become like a qualifying factor? Is like a, I understand there's some factor in a sponsor's exemption, like a Q rating of of some kind, and uh, I I just don't want it to end up being like this horny men's show, like the the ladies tour. You know what I mean? Like it should be about the golf. It should always be about the golf. It's not about who has the most Instagram followers and who is you know, posting scandalous pictures to their Instagram. To uh, That shouldn't be a path to getting into tour events, that's for sure. Well, no, absolutely. And, but in, in that instance, yeah, sure, call it, the, call it the tours and call it the publishers. But uh, call, calling her out seems uh, a little misguided. So, Yeah, I can see that. No, I'm, I think that's fair. But... Um, other than that, you know, Dash Day not making the top ten as well was a, I had a concern with that. <laughs> he he was everywhere. He was absolutely <laughs> everywhere. It seemed like any time Jason Day was on TV, Dash was right beside him. But uh, yeah, no, he 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 was one of the bigger stories of the year. Funny enough, but uh, you know, he, he he could not crack the top ten. Unfortunately, the year was just too too good for him to crack the top ten. And things that I love about this list, too, is just, like, thing, I literally forgot about the Keegan and Miguel incident. Like, that happened back in March. I missed it when it happened, but like, it, that didn't even crack your top 50 of things that happened this year. They almost got in a fight on the course. Well, I'll be perfectly honest. I actually scrolled through every single post that Kyle Porter made on, on CBS. Oh, God. That must have taken and hours. It, it, I, took, I took some time. <laughs> 
to, to actually do that. And basically, I combined that with some other some other news that I picked up elsewhere, and then kind of put them together in a list. But uh, yeah, no, that that was the most it was one of the most ridiculous things too. Just like, I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, you can't tell me that you wouldn't want to fight King Bradley at some point. But, I mean, he's very punchable. Very punchable. Yeah, he's a very very punchable face. Um, but. Uh, I love that whole thing just because Miguel didn't trust him to take a routine drop. Yep. And I understand it's match play, but like, come on, it's a it's a routine drop, and you don't trust him to do it. But uh, you know, him and him and Pepsi getting involved, it was it was pretty funny. Yeah, I think I made the point. Shane Ryan and I talked about that on his podcast when it happened. Uh, I just made the point that like. That's like a typical play in the NFL. Like, there's a little bit of shoving and a little incident, like, and then they go and play the next play. But when this happens in golf, there's it's like the, the top story on every website and everything I was discussing at the time. I agree, it was a top story. It was hilarious, but it's just so funny the way uh, like a fight in golf just will absolutely never happen on the course, or never, not not with the cameras on you at least. I'm sure there's been incidents, but. I struggle to think of a really good incident with the camera on you, other than like Bubba yelling at Steve Elkington, maybe. <laughs> that, that was also, that was, God, that was probably seven or eight years ago now. Yeah. Um, or Bubba just yelling at anyone in general. Yeah, um, rules officials or ants that are burrowing or, of course, oh Ted, my God. of course, Teddy, God rest his soul, probably, <laughs> probably didn't make it through Christmas. <laughs> um... Yeah, Bryson DeChambeau made a appearance or won the NCAA title this year. What do you? Uh, I, w- I was curious, was what your thoughts are and what you expect from him in the in the coming year. I I honestly don't really know what to expect from him. To be perfectly honest, I mean he's such an interesting guy. You know, he plays. Well, everyone knows the story by now, I suppose. But the idea that he plays all of his irons are the exact same length, which to me is just incredibly bizarre. You probably know more about that sort of thing than I do, but um, it doesn't make a whole ton of sense to me. Um, he's just, he's a really, really obviously smart guy who, who knows, who knows what works for him, I guess. I mean, he's just, he's very interesting. I, I don't think he actually has status anywhere right now. I could be completely off on that, but I don't think he has status. So it's kind of hard to know what to expect, but if he gets into events, I mean, he's, he, he played really well in Australia just a couple of weeks ago. He's going to be able to, you know, it's not going to be like Jordan Speed. I don't think, with him getting into the John Deere and just, you know, winning it and all of a sudden becoming Jordan Speed. But he's he's definitely somebody that we're going to have to keep a very close eye on in 2016. Yeah, I, mean, I wrote about this a couple weeks ago in Mailbag, and I'm not the first to come up with this. I think uh, Rand, Big Randy from um, one of my No Laying Up brethren was first to really point out and make the point like, yeah, he's like an interesting guy, but not really like in the most charming way. It's it seems a little more like look at me, look how interesting I am, rather than being really yeah. genuine. You agree? Yeah, I, I don't like to me. Interesting guy is like you know, like Henrik Stenson is an interesting guy just because of everything he's been through and and all that sort of thing. I, I don't know if I get that exact same vibe from from Deschambeau. That's that's definitely the case. Yeah, and going back to what you were saying about his, he's got an unorthodox swing, and you know he plays all the all of his clubs are the same length, all of his irons I think just are the same length. Which, I mean, I, I'm fifty fifty on it because I'm a big I'm a believer in going with what got you there, um, but I'm also a believer more so in other sports other than golf and just understanding that success at one level does not necessarily project to success at the next level. Um, I don't know enough. Of, I've not watched him play enough golf. Um, I don't know enough about him or about his game, his swing, his 
spin ray, ball flight, all that stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't track that stuff nearly as, as much as maybe I should, but I don't know of anything specifically that won't project well, but I think it's a fair question to ask is, you know, can you maintain, you know, this unorthodox swing? Obviously we've seen unorthodox swings work. Think of I don't know, Jim Furyk, Lee Trevino, or two people that come to the top, top of your head, but like, those are the outliers. Those are the exceptions to the rule. Um, and you know, does this playing style having all your irons be the same length? I don't know how it affects you, but does I think it's fair to question whether or not that that type of approach can succeed in PGA Tour. No, I, I completely agree. I I'm sure it's been done before. Like I, I don't recall it offhand. It's like you know, certain players. You know, they don't they don't use an interlocking grip. You know, Paul Azinger never did. Um, Scott Piercy, I know, doesn't use one now. Um, I actually don't either, but, uh, like it's, it's weird. Like it, you don't usually see this much deviation, um, and something that is so, so standard. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what he does. I mean, he, uh, that goes also in that category though of look how interesting i am see i'm so different i wear this hat and whatnot but no i'm rooting for him i think he'd be an interesting character to add to the mix i don't again i don't know a ton about him other than reading a couple couple articles on him i know i think ryan labner had a really good one on golf channel i read that and uh I'm definitely interested to see, you know, I mean, you know me, I'm always looking for the next young and upcoming players, but um, Ollie Schneider-Jones is probably the, the guy that I'm targeting, I think, the most for this next year. I think he's only got three or four sponsors' exemption starts left to earn quite a decent amount of FedEx Cup points, so I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little uh, pessimistic on his chances of earning a card this coming year, and I don't think, did he end up getting web.com status? I don't even remember. That. Oh, okay. Um, so I mean, that's that's something to look out for. Yeah, and he's he's a great player too. And I mean, you know, he's uh, he's he's really fun to watch for sure. Um, you know, it's what we've always talked about too. It's like the the more characters that this game has, the better. I mean, it's not it's not like you know team sports where there's so much to talk about. And you know, the, the more the more people that we get out there, like you know, like Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, he might not be. Maybe he's not genuine. I don't know. But I mean, he's he's at least someone to talk about. Um, it's it's a lot like the whole Patrick Reed thing, and I know that you're a big Patrick Reed guy, so um, it, it it works for me. I'm mostly a Patrick Reed guy for that exact reason, though. Like I, I just, I just think I just, I way, I beat the de- the jokes to death. I'm well aware of that, but it's not going to stop. Okay, um, he's got several mixtapes that are going to drop in 2016, actually. <laughs> so just be prepared for those. The Masters one's going to be absolute fire. Um, one guy that you know had like a a, a huge 2015 that I almost think for once c- kind of slid under the radar was Ricky Fowler. Yeah, I mean, I, everyone everyone talked about him in 2014 because he finished in the top five in, in all four majors. But I mean, he he won three massive tournaments. Um, you know, he didn't win a major, so I mean, obviously there's still going to be people who are going to you know stand by that whole thing. But I mean, winning the players literally the week of the the overrated poll that had him and Poulter tied at the top was amazing. Um, and the way he handled it in the press conference afterward was amazing as well. Um, then he goes out and wins the Scottish Open, which is probably was probably the best field of the year on the European Tour, which I know you'd argue doesn't really say much, but that's, <laughs> that's just the way it is over there. And then he wins the, the Deutsche Bank as well. I mean, it's, he had a fantastic season. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting. I'm sure somebody's asking the question. I haven't heard the answer as to which season he'd rather take this season or last season with that awesome major run. I think the answer would be this year with the three wins. But I, just the way that he did it at the Players' Championship, too, was unbelievably impressive. Those, that pin that he kept firing at at number 17, I think it was uh, Maltby, like thought he was wet on the final one and it ended up being stuck to six feet. I mean, that, that just showed how, how, how big his stones are. And it, 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 I, I, he fears no situation. And I see, I feel like you can tell a difference in some guys the way they play under pressure. And Fowler's not one of them. I think he almost gets more aggressive and even more cool under the pressure. Uh, and I think it's time. And I, I don't have him predicted to win a major in 2016, but it, I, it would absolutely not surprise me. I mean, that's very, very hot take. I think he's a top six player in the world or whatever. But uh, the next step is to win a major, and that could be easily coming on, in the near future. Yeah, no, he's he's got the game. I mean, he can, and you know what the funny thing is too is now he's actually he's gotten longer off the tee. He's still he's probably not the most consistent player out there. I mean, he still has those issues with uh, you know with with the big number that he needs to kind of get rid of. But no, he's he's right there. Um, he's going to be a massive part of the Ryder Cup team in 2016. He's going to be in contention, you know, way more than uh, than he has recently. So. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing him uh, to, to seeing him over the next twelve months. Yeah, um, I forget what I was going to say about Fowler. Uh, oh, what I was going to say is uh, it, it was it was crazy to me I'm talking about just thinking about like social media and influence and what we were talking about guys that move the needle. I, I feel like that Sunday of the players was like the most active social media day. Uh, of the golf season, almost maybe uh, definitely outside of the majors, and you know people argue that players should be the fifth major or whatever. But I just re- I remember I was in I think I was in Germany or something trying to watch it on my iPad and like tweeting it, and like everyone was all over this thing. This was the, the probably, had to be the most watched golf event of the year outside of the majors. Well, it's funny because I uh, I ended up missing a oh. vast majority of that tournament, and I I ended up coming home. Um, I ended up coming home just as the just as regulation was ending, so we we're just getting ready for the playoff. And I was just I was pissed that I missed so much of it. But uh, his his run, I mean, what he birdied? I think he was he was six under through his last six to to get him. He was he was four shots back of Chris Kirk at the turn. I think oh. like it, it was ins- it's insane to think about the run that he went on. And I don't think because it's not a major. I think people tend to overlook pretty much every other tournament that the, the tour goes to, but. It's something that we probably don't uh, talk about enough is the way he actually came through and won that tournament. And it just it made it so much better that you know him and Poulter were, were named as the overrated players that week, and then he just went out and won the biggest tournament that they have. It was I'm, so good. I'm fine with Poulter staying on that list. But I'm, I'm happy, also happy with Ricky uh, with Ricky disproving that part. But it's it, like it's, I don't really know how to make this point or how to make this make sense. But you know, I've been watching a few in my lazy holiday days here, watching a few. Like replays of events, just even from 2015, and I did watch some some kind of recap on the Players Championship this year. It's easy to like you kind of need those shows or those highlights to look back and really truly remember how things played out because it's easy to look back and be like, oh, Ricky won the players, but like if one shot goes differently in the playoff and he gets second, like we wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation. So. It, it, it's it's easy to just like look at the result and like remember the final way of how it got there, that final shot. But like you said, being four back of Chris Kirk at the turn, like it's completely lost in your memory. Like you don't remember 
necessarily the process of how everything played out to get there. And that struck me even more when I watched, I actually watched it with my grandpa when we were in North Carolina for Christmas is the replay of the 2015 U S open and seeing all the things that happened on the back nine of that U S open. Like it's easy, again, it's easy to remember DJ missed the putt and speed ended up winning it. But that was, that was like probably the best finish we've had all year on tour. Brandon Grace almost oh. hit a train. Like I, I don't understand Ejected. how that happened. Um, Louis Oosthuizen shot 77 in the opening round and oh. missed the playoff by a shot. He shot 29 on the back how, how does that even? That doesn't even make any sense at all. That he like he must. I I don't even know how he how he handled that afterwards. Because I mean, you know, he 77 and he finishes one shot out. Like that's. Absolutely crazy. Jason Day collapsed because he because he had vertigo and he still finished in the top ten. Um, you know, Rory Rory like barely played well at all the entire week, still finished in the top ten. Like it was that was insane. I mean, people are gonna obviously it's you know Speed's Speed's big coming out party was probably that tournament um, outside of obviously you know breaking the score, tying the scoring record at the Masters. Um, but DJ three putt in the seventy second hole from like what twelve feet, like it's I I cannot believe that that happened. Either. It was it was that and the players is they were definitely the the two best tournaments of the year in my book, and then probably the Masters is probably right behind it. Yeah, it was just all so weird how it played out. Everything about Chambers Bay was weird. The greens were weird. Fox's coverage too was just at best we, at best weird <laughs> like. I mean, they did a decent job down the stretch of, like, you know, they didn't go to any commercials down the stretch and just showed the action, but it just obviously didn't have a great flow to it and whatnot. And they, even, they, they ran a promo narrated by the Chambers Bay tree. Yeah, that's uh, a thing that happens. That, that didn't go very well. How, yeah, but you can easily see how that would get approved in a production meeting, right? I mean, that sounds like such a great idea. Well, I mean, the Pirates Trump rap got approved by NBC as well, so I mean, you know, trying to... <laughs> It was. It was, and I loved the microphones in the holes. I think that was an awesome that that moment that Speed gave us on sixteen with that birdie ball dropping in the cup and the microphone being right there for it. I thought that's the, that's the moment that sticks out for me the most of that whole week. Other than the marshal trying to stop the train uh, going by on sixteen. Um, think Fox I've I don't know I have higher hopes for them in the coming year I think everyone does hopefully I mean it can't be worse than it was last year hopefully they're just gonna I I think they need to give Holly Saunders a much more expanded role I don't think her role should be to ask stupid questions at the end of the uh, at the end of a player's round I don't think they should be asking Kevin Kistner about how Jordan Spieth is doing out there like that was just so terrible that she she could be in a booth. I, I'd like to hear color commentary from her. I think she she's she carries herself really well on live TV. She's just not yeah, a great interviewer. The the big problem that they're going to run into though is, and it's actually something that Joe Buck referenced a few weeks ago, is that they're only doing USGA events. So for them, you know, it's it's impossible to get into a group yeah. and, and trying to figure all this stuff out. Like you look at what Joe Buck does week to week with the NFL. I mean, he does a game every single week. He does games every single week for baseball as well. 
so he just kind of walks right in. It's actually pretty amazing that they that they weren't Ninja was even further off the rails than they did. Um, and then, like I said, though, the issue is that you're only doing three or four events a year. You know, you're you're not going to be able to get into a group, and they work better as the week went on. But it's it's going to be tough. I mean, and now they're they're going to Oakmont this year, and I mean, Oakmont's a little should be a little easier. There's a lot of history that you can kind of play off of there. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's not going to be easy for them to pick it right up though. Yeah, I'll give them that, and I think we were expecting some growing pains, and uh, I think, yeah, get Kurt Menefee off my screen, I don't want to see that, I don't want to see him coming on after Spieth just won his second major in a row, saying that Spieth doesn't do anything great, um, just get that entirely off my screen. Kurt, Kurt Menefee is a very good broadcaster, but he was just horribly out of his element. Oh, that's, yeah, it's not that, fair. That's, on, that's honestly, that's on Fox. Yeah. He, he should not have been doing that. Craig Norman was hit and miss, like, I... You know, they, they went to too many, you know, four-man boots instead of just describing, you know, trying to describe what was going on instead of just showing what was going on. That that was their biggest problem the, uh, the entire week. So. Yeah, I liked Norman. I, I didn't think Buck was terrible, terrible. It just... It, it, and he, like you said, just a lack of experience. And my my favorite moment though was when Adam Spieth like tapped in for or Adam Spieth, Adam Scott tapped in for sixty four on Sunday, and like he he made the putt, and it, it's, uh, <laughs> Buck didn't know what he shot, and like it comes on the screen, and he's like, and Adam Scott finishes with uh, sixty four. It's like, wait a second, you're calling this event? Like, how is this a surprise? Uh, yeah, I, 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 it's like they had no clue what was going on. I mean, I have no idea how that's a surprise, and I, but I was dying. I was like, that 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 sums this week all, this week up in entirety. The, the, the great screen grab of Phil giving Holly Saunders a hug oh. after, their, after their interview that floated around Twitter for about two weeks. Phil does this stuff on purpose, right? Oh yeah, Phil does. Look, Phil doesn't. Phil is too smart and too calculated. Everything he does, he does with a purpose. There's yeah. no getting around that. Every every time he's going to come up on this podcast, it's going to be something completely not golf related. We're talking about him sliding down a hill so far, him hugging Holly Saunders, probably his belly rubs or whatever the President's Cup will come up. Anything that has to, that does not have to do with his play will be a subject of conversation. He, he, played, he played the wrong ball. Oh my the god! President's Cup because he thought that a different ball was going to give him an advantage on a par five. The most like, Phil I, thing I don't ever. Understand why you have two different balls in your bag anyway? But you know that, that's that's Phil. Right? There's nothing. There's nothing else you can really say about him. He was probably like telling a marshal about it too before he put it in play. Listen, I'm going to put this in play because it's going to give me an extra three yards, and just has to tell everyone around him exactly how smart he is. Sir, you're next on the tee. Please go ahead. <laughs> Please. Like, yeah, like that's yeah. He's he's the best. The rest. There's no. There, there's there's nothing more you can really say about him. No. Yeah, he, he he. The the great vine that I think Brendan Porat posted as well. Uh, about how he, how they spotted their best team, their best team, a couple an extra hole, and they still didn't beat them. It's like he's he's not doing it in any kind of malicious way. It's just the way he is, and it's it's amazing. I mean, God bless him for trying to drum up some interest in the Presidents Cup. I know I couldn't bring myself to watch it after the Kepka snub. People thought I was joking that I wasn't going to watch it if he wasn't called up, and he, he wasn't. One of the best tournaments of the year. I don't want to hear it. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it was a ton of fun, and it was. It's actually relevant again, which is, believe me, it's as shocking to me as it is to anyone else. But you know, um, it, it was one of the best tournaments of the year, without question. And if the Ryder Cup gets anywhere near that kind of intense, we're we're going to be in for one health tournament. I'm I'm very excited for the Ryder Cup in 2016. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, first, I want I want to go very quickly past the Open Championship in 2015 
uh, in that horror show. Only to mention, somebody the other day tried to convince me that Mark Leishman was in the playoff um, for the Open Championship this year, but I, I'd have to, I've been there in person to believe that. I don't remember that at all. That, that's not a thing that happened in 2015. Please tell me that. Oh, man. Oh, it, oh, it happened. It absolutely happened. Jason Day just missed out on that playoff. So did Speed. Like, we're, like, the fact that Speed was this close to the Grand Slam is, is absolutely insane. He really was like, so close. Like, he, he wins the first two, misses out on by a shot at the playoff, and then the only reason why he doesn't win the PGA is just Jason Day just goes off at 20 under par. Like, out, out of body. It, just insane. Yep. Um, Louis Oosthuizen, I think I've made this point before. I think he's like four shots, four or five shots away from being a four-time major winner and having three out of the four legs of the Grand Slam. Yeah, and yeah, he's. I, I still can't get over that seventy-seven, but yeah, no, it's it's he's really good. He just needs to stay healthy, um, and it's it just goes to show you the whole idea about you know about how, you know, certain guys can't close and this and that. And it's like, you know what, sometimes someone just beats you because they just had a slightly better day. And that's, and Louis says is probably the best example of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's not an indication. Like, all his close calls, I don't think, are really an indication of him. And we've seen him run away with a British Open at that, at that exact course before. And I, I thought, I thought he was going to, I was definitely rooting for him once it went to the playoff. Anybody but ZJ would have been fine, but Usti would have been. What's your, what's your problem with Zach Johnson? Like, I, I don't, like, I understand, like, he's, he's, I understand he doesn't exactly embody the whole no laying up mentality, but I mean, he's really just doing what he's, what he's got available in the bag. Like, he's not, he's not going to be able to hit greens in two. He's not going to be able to be super aggressive. He's just, I know. I, I, I don't. I get your other problems, but like, <laughs> it's just a little off. I've got a lot of problems. Oh, you do. <laughs> I, I get. I do get this question a decent a decent amount. I mean, he's basically the face for laying up, right? I mean, he won the Masters by laying up, and I just like his playing style is just completely the opposite of what I believe in. I get that he plays within his own bag, plays within himself, and that's that's the only way he knows how to play. I get that, but I just I'm not a fan of. I'm not a fan of him. I'm not a fan of his game and that way of playing it. And then, I mean, it it was kind of a, uh, a non-issue until he blocked me on Twitter for absolutely no reason. I never even mentioned him, never said a word to him and found out that he blocked me on Twitter. And that's just what the the word gets out, man. I mean, look, I've been blocked by Webb Simpson and Sergio Garcia for reasons that I couldn't tell you. So (laughs) it's, and me of all people getting blocked by Sergio is, is basically a crime. Like I, I don't understand, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, I get the, I get the logic, but uh, you know, Zach, Zach Johnson laying up at the master. I mean, he's not long enough to reach those holes anyway. Like he might as well lay up. I know, but he's just like the face of laying up. Like that's, that's part of my shtick. Okay. You got to just let me have this one. I'm just not, it's, it, he's just like, I, I hear that he's a good guy. I've heard from, you know, the, that, uh, I think DJ Pajowski is one of the leaders of don't listen to, don't listen to Solomon on oh, Zach he Johnson. He's a great guy. He's awesome. I'm I sure he is. Very topic about you with, with, about this with him. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, no, he's, I, I don't get it. That's fine. He's definitely not in the Bubba Poulter douchiness category. Like he's a completely different category. Person personality wise, I've got no problem. Other than he ate corn out of the claret jug, it's like that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. Like that's laying up. Like come on, you can't eat <laughs> you can't eat corn out of the claret jug. You don't know what else he did with it. It was the lamest year in claret, the claret jug history. I can promise yeah, you that. that. That's probably true. <laughs> And he ruined Speed's Grand Slam. I know Speed wouldn't have, like, two other guys would have beaten Speed, but 
to have him be the guy to break Spieth's run, like it just hurt. It just hurt more than I was prepared for. So, but it goes to good show. Like the last, like I swear, four or something of the last tournaments I've I've been to in person, the winners have been uh, ZJ, uh, Matt Kuchar, uh, Bubba, and I guess Matsuyama won the the Memorial the last time I was there. But it was almost Kevin Na. Like I've just had really bad runs of. In person tournaments as well, it makes me makes me extra bitter. Like my first open championship at the old course, and ZJ wins it. Come on, come on. ZJ wins it after about a thousand different delays. Did, were you even able? You weren't even there for the the playoff on Monday. Were you? No, I was flying back. I was flying back. I, I went to there that morning, Monday morning. Went out there and watched Horschel a little bit, and then I had to catch a flight. Um, so I, mean, I had a 420 flight out of Edinburgh on Monday afternoon. I thought there was no possible way I would miss the end of this tournament. I wanted to be on the 18th green when they gave it, you know, they gave the trophy away at the Open Championship. I think that'd be that was part of the deal with flying out Monday. And of course, I'm on in the air while Speed is making his run on the back nine on Monday. Like, what are the chances of that? There's no Wi-Fi on flights in Europe. I I got nothing. I had no, absolutely nothing. And I'm, I'm, I'm watching it on the train on the way home, and he makes the putt on 16, and I get up out of my seat and scream. People probably thought I was attacking the train. I, mean, I was so pumped. It was awesome. And got home in time. Just I got home literally as he was approaching 18 and spun that wedge off the green. And then I, 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 don't, I honestly don't even remember watching the playoff. I don't. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was unfortunately stuck at work. I mean, I, I ended up catching the vast majority of it um, while I was sitting there at work. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it definitely wasn't, it wasn't the same. I mean, so, so you got to see Tiger laying up on all the par fours, and then, uh, and then you didn't get to see the, the most exciting part of the day. So that, that must have. It must have sucked. Yep. No, I, I, I said we would go very quickly past the Open Championship, and we spent way more time on that than I wanted to. So let's go. <laughs> let's slide. slide by. Finishing with the PGA Championship, I said it to Porter, I think, after we, we debriefed on the PGA that I thought it was the best major performance of the year, what Jason did there, and one of the best major performances I've seen in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, it's it's impossible to, to, to put into words almost, to be honest. I mean, he was... From the first hole on Thursday, he was super aggressive all week. Um, you know, I, I've talked about this a thousand times already, but on 16 on Sunday, he's battling, Jason Day is battling with Speed, and he sees Speed go into the bunker, the greenside bunker on the left side on the 16th, and he has all this room on the right side to hit the green. And there's no reason for him to be super aggressive in any way at all. But instead, he just goes right at the flag anyway, even though he has, I believe, a, a two-shot lead at this point. And and he almost he plants it on the fringe, and, and it stays there. But that, that just shows you the mentality that he had the entire week. It was like there was nothing. He was never going to stop being aggressive, and that's and that's what led him to his win. I mean, he, he won what four or five times in the year too. Like it was it was the it was the crowning achievement for for him. And then he didn't play very well at the President's Cup, but I'm sure that didn't really even enter his mind after after winning five times and getting the first major. That's an, yeah, it's a home game for him too, right? In Korea, right? I mean, he's the home <laughs> team. No, I I, I think uh, I, I I'm a, I'm a big Jason Day fan. Obviously, I was rooting for speed, so. I think it was. I'd love to see a lot more scenarios like that where you know the guy where I'm rooting for two good guys. I feel like I'm always rooting against Bubba or Poulter. To, to it, it always comes down to those two, or I, I feel like that's the case. I'm always rooting against one of those two or ZJ at the end of a tournament. So it's nice to have two guys going head to head where I really don't care who wins. I wanted Speed to win three majors in a year, but I mean, you can't do much better. Like you're, you're, like 
That's true. There was some evil to root for there. Andrew Bunley here was right there. But yeah, Kepka was Kepka near the top? I mean, I saw him on the leaderboard, but I don't know. I didn't see a single shot that he played, so I can't I confirm they, that. They showed him once on Sunday, I think once or twice, after he made like an eagle, a ridiculous eagle on like a 640-yard par 5. And yeah, no, CBS could not have dropped the ball any harder with that one. I love how uh, Jaime Diaz, like, I must really, how much do I have to beat a topic to death to get a mention from Jaime Diaz in Golf, in golf Digest? But Jaime Diaz even mentioned how often I whine about Kepka getting lack of TV coverage in an article in actual Golf Digest. So I don't know if that's a significant accomplishment or like that is a embarrassing thing that happened to me in 2015. But Probably a little bit of both. Yeah, I'm fine with that. You, know, you, you, get, you get called out on Twitter, it's seemingly on daily basis by people who uh, think you, you beat the uh, the drum a little too hard. So, yeah. um, I believe Graham Dillette did it to you, if I recall. Yeah, he, he just owned me and said I was being a child about it and then unfollowed me. So that one that one stung a little bit, but um, yeah, well, welcome to the list, Graham Dillette. You, you gotta, you're starting to fight with a guy you don't want to start a fight with, I don't think. I'm not threatening you. I'm not Stephen A. Smith, okay? I'm not threatening you. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, you guys are supposed to be nice. What the hell was that, Graham? Listen, you, you making jokes about us celebrating New Year's early. You're making all kinds of things. So, I mean, you're, you're lucky it's not worse than you already. <laughs> what was the thing you told me, I think, uh, about how people love Canadians abroad? I, do you remember what you told me? I'm not 100% sure on that. I know I told you that Americans know most about their own their own country. They don't know much else about it that's fair that's very fair but you said something like yeah uh, people abroad they love Canadians and I was like why is that he's like you said but I was like why is that and you're like well they love us when they find out we're not you yeah, and I was like, exactly. that's really that's fair exactly it. <laughs> I've read I've heard there's like people that do this in Europe I, I'm not one of them but they, they will actually people ask where they're from they'll say Canada just to avoid telling people they're from the US which well, is shameful it's my responsibility or I'm taking it upon myself to change the, uh, the appearance of Americans all across Europe. It's, it's going to take a while, th- thanks to what Patrick Reed did when he came <laughs> over here in 2014. But uh, No, I've actually been, I've been pleasantly surprised. I, I, I was of the impression that people didn't like Americans here, but um, I, when I mentioned that, people are like, why do you, why do you say that? Like, it's, they seem very, very confused as to that statement. They don't they definitely don't tend to agree with our um, foreign policy and our politics in general. Um, but as far as they're like the, the travelers we meet, the people we meet tend to be some of the nicest and, and best people that come around. So it's not all bad for Americans over here. Just, just be nice and you don't have to worry about it. Exactly. It doesn't matter where you're from. They also like because we tip 20% and that's a strangely, that's supposedly a weird thing on this part of the yeah, world. Yeah, so. over in Europe they don't do that at all. Yeah. So yeah, you're yeah, you and I are definitely uh, further ahead on that scale for sure. Is that a Canada thing too? You tip twenty percent. We we tip between typically, I would say between fifteen and twenty. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we're just nice people. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm ready to talk about 2016 this year. I've made my four major prediction, uh, major winner predictions. I want to hear your four predictions for this year, and I'm not going to let you pick Tiger again for the Masters this year. Please don't do it. For for the record, that was not. Honestly, he actually played well. I mean, he was in one of the final, you know, four or five groups on Sunday before he had to pop a bone back into his his wrist. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, for for the ma- 
Masters, I'm I'm gonna go with Bubba. I know you're probably gonna hate me for that, but I I just the call has been disconnected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, look, he he's for whatever reason he plays well, seemingly at two or three courses every year, and this is one of them. I don't see how I, I just don't see how he doesn't he doesn't finish at least in the top five or top ten every year. This place because he seems to love it so much. Um, I, I've I've got Bubba winning the Masters again as much as it uh, as much as it pains both me and you probably hear it. What did he do last year? I don't even remember. I don't remember him being a factor other than he put the he put the green jacket on Spieth, which I took way too much joy out of out of. But I don't even remember what he finished last year. He just looking it up now. He did finish T thirty eight. So I mean, he does have these little stretches. Um, but I mean, he finished T fifty in, in twenty thirteen as well. So I mean, who knows? Yeah. Maybe he's been there go on this you know good tournament, bad tournament, thin form. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm just going to take Bob. It seems like that's probably the most safe play at this point, to be honest. Um, he, he's got the game for it. He's got the length. Um, obviously, he's won there twice. So I, I'm going to go with Bubba. All right, that's fair. I'm looking at Bubba's Bubba's run in the majors last year: T thirty eight in the Masters, eighty fifth miscut at the U.S. Open. One tie for one hundred seventh and miscut at the Open Championship, tie for twenty first at the PGA. But my God, pray for Ted Scott. It just means that he's due. He's due, <laughs> due to it again. Although I will say this, uh, Kira Kathy Bardenrat is playing there uh, for the first time this year, and uh, I cannot possibly be more excited. So hopefully, hopefully he can challenge Bubba for the win. <laughs> that would I would be in full support of that if he's the if he dethrones Bubba. I'm fine with that. All right, U.S. Open at Oakmont. U.S. Open, I mean, Oakmont is just renowned for what? They're, they're ridiculous greens, right? I mean, right. there's no there's no getting around that. It's what they're known for. So, I mean, it's it's tough to it's tough to take anyone who is, A, a bad putter at any major, obviously. But when it comes to a U.S. Open, you, know, you want, obviously, someone that's going to keep it in the middle. You want someone who's a great putter. Um, I'm, I'm going to go with Jordan Speed. It just seems to make the most sense. Um I, I don't see how I don't see how anyone I don't see how anyone wins at a, at Oakmont without being on fire on the greens, and he's the most likely candidate. Okay, I can buy that. Um, British Open at Troon, right? Is that Troon, right? <laughs> yeah, it's at, yeah, it's at Troon. We're actually between was it Troon, Baltusrol, and and Oakmont. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, that's you know, you're not going to find too many years where you have yet better. Uh, better major venues than that. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to get absolutely crushed by this, but I'm taking Sergio. Yeah, um, do it. Do it. Stand by it. <laughs> I, look, I I will take Sergio in pretty much any major that I... He's, he's going to win one. He's too good not to win one. Um, I don't really have much of, a, much of an explanation as to why I would uh, think that he's going to do well. Um... He, he was cut there in 2004 when, when he last held it. So, I mean, there, there isn't really a run of good form to go on. But he's he's got the game to do it. He's one of the best ball strikers in the world. This is the tournament. This is the major that if he is going to win one, it's the most likely one that he's going to win. Yep. So, I, I'm going to go with Sergio. All right. I've supported. I'm with you. All right. PGA Championship. It's a mere two weeks after the end of the Open Championship this year, thanks to the Olympics. It goes... Uh, British Open, Canadian Open, PGA Championship. Canada just gets royally boned over we're, in this one. We're getting completely screwed over. There is no way that anyone like you're going to get like the Canadian players, and then I guess 
you know, RBC is the is the sponsor. So any of the RBC guys, you might get a handful of them. Um, I'm sure they're going to push for guys like Jason Day to show up. But uh, God, yeah, we're it's it's not going to be a, a very good tournament. Um, yeah, for for they're they're off to Baltusrol. I think they last held in '05. Yep, Phil. Uh, Phil ended up winning that year. Um, he's not going to win. Um, he's probably not going to win anything. But I will go slightly off the board, I guess, um, and 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 go with Louis Ustazen. Okay. Um, I I don't again don't have much of a, a logic a logical reason behind that. I don't think he even played there in '05. Um, again, he's just to me he's too good. He's too good. He's got to win one of these things. I will say though, I think we've talked about this before too. It's been a long time since we've had one of those like completely like off the board Darren Clark, Rich Beam major winners, and that's got to happen at some point soon. I, I don't know who it'll be, but like all of a sudden you're going to see like Soren Kelson is going to win a major, and it's just going to be completely off the board. <laughs> well, I. I, the good thing about these predictions is no one's going to ever look back at them unless they're really right, right? So you can pretty much predict whatever you want here. No one's going back to face with this. I've been called an idiot several times over the past, you know, seven or eight months because of my Tiger prediction. So I, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not exactly looking forward to those when all four of my guys missed the cut. I pretty much get it on a per-tweet basis, so I don't feel that bad for you. But, yeah. Um, all right. I, so you're saying no Rory, no Jason Day majors in, in 2016. That's what I'm knowing of. All right. I uh, my picks I made them I think in the December mailbag I said uh, Spieth at the Masters, uh, DJ at the U.S. Open. Um, I hadn't really thought of the greens angle that you mentioned, so I'm a little hesitant on that. But I'm also a believer of the theory in general that DJ um, his his presumed lack of knowledge or his I call it willful ignorance, if you will, um, works in his benefit for his golf game in that he. <laughs> doesn't appear or seem to have the mental capability of getting in his own head. And he kind of is able to block out some of these things. Like the greens may very well be getting in the heads of a lot of players where DJ just doesn't even think about it and balls out. He usually plays pretty well at Augusta, but is never really threatened there. If I remember right. Um, so that theory kind of holds a little water, but I just think he's due to win one. I don't, I'm not betting against him to win one in 2016. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking him to win the U S open. Um, the Open Championship, Rory's return to glory there. And then at the PGA, it's going to be the man, the myth, the legend, the moment we've all been waiting for, Mr. Brooks Kepka. Yeah, there, there's no bias there whatsoever. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 you're completely right, though, about DJ. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be, you can never be surprised when, when he wins a tournament, obviously. Um Rory, the, the whole thing about Rory and, and Jason Day, I mean, I, I just, you know, predicting golf tournaments at this point of the year is usually just, predicting golf tournaments at any point of the year is usually just a waste of time. But, um, no, I mean, I, Rory obviously is, to me, he's actually probably the most talented player in the world. I don't think there's any, I don't know, maybe there is a debate about that. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing what he can do this year. And, and the same thing with uh, with, with your boy, Brooks. I, you know, hopefully if, if he actually, you know, he already won a tournament this year and he still didn't get any love. So, you know, maybe if he actually goes out and wins a major, then uh, people will actually be forced to pay attention to him. Well, that that was also barely on TV when he actually won it. They didn't show him live until the 15th hole, or 16th hole, but nothing I'm bitter or anything or counting or anything. But People had already paid attention to the Super Bowl anyway. Like, yeah. That, that's honestly all <laughs> I'm also a little concerned about the um, rumored equipment change. It's not 
been announced yet. Um, I would be very surprised if it's not announced on Monday, which is tomorrow. We're recording this on Sunday the 3rd, that he is moving to Nike. Um, and I'm, I, I, I feel I wouldn't be nervous about equipment changes unless it's the move to Nike, which just seems to take a little longer for adjustment for most guys. Um, rest in peace, Kyle Stanley. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, look, Nick Watney never has never recovered, to no. be perfectly honest. So, um, you know, Gilmore and Olison finally started to play well last year, I think about a year and a half after he switched. So these, these switches take time for regardless of what the player is. I mean, Rory took a little while. Tiger, yep. I believe, took a little while as well back in the late 90s after moving from Titleist. So, yep. I mean, it, 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 it all, they're always going to take time. I mean, the, you know, as you always say, though, the cream rises, right? So, I mean, if, if Brooks is as good as everyone seems to think he is, yeah. it shouldn't take him hopefully much longer than that. Yeah, no, I mean, correlation doesn't necessarily equal causation. It's not like it's a guaranteed um, struggle, but I'm, I'm just, a, that's the only thing that has me apprehensive at all for his 2016, but I'm still still sticking by him. But we've actually gone this long, too, and I, have we even mentioned Justin Thomas by name? I feel like, I feel, if he wins a major without me predicting it, I'm going to feel like I've betrayed him at this point. Well, I mean, you can take speed out of the Masters if you if you really want to, but uh, that doesn't seem like the, uh, the the appropriate call. So, um, he's I, I love watching Justin Thomas. I mean, he's got probably the fastest swing that I've ever seen. So, um, yeah, it's he's he's going to be right there, and, and you know what, he's hopefully going to be on the Ryder Cup team as well. Yeah, and that's what I wanted. To, the last thing I want to talk to you about because I think the Olympic conversation is going to be very short, but. Um, looking um, at did you did you want to touch on the Olympics then because yeah I've got uh, I've got very little to say about it but uh, other than I, I I'm just going to ask if I'm supposed to be excited about this because I'm not it's I think they missed a huge opportunity to make this a match play event by making it stroke play it doesn't seem any different to me than a regular PGA Tour tournament other than it's worse and that you're limited to four people per country if I'm understanding the rules right is that is that how you understand it. if they're ranked in the top 15 in the world. So oh. right now, I believe the U.S. are the only country that would have four going. And then after that, it's only two per team. Um, but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, the, Shane Ryan and I did a thing, uh, I helped Shane Ryan out with the Denver Golf Digest a while ago now about actually making them into separate groups and, and you know, and making a match play. But uh, they obviously, you know, they, they want to go about it with short play. And I, I just don't think anyone's going to pay any attention to it. I mean, you've got guys like Adam Scott who are basically saying, nah, actually, I really don't care. So, I mean, it's it's not it's not a big deal for them. Like, guys like, guys like Jordan Spieth, I mean, he's always going to say the right things. He's going to want to go over, but I can't imagine that uh, that they're overly excited compared to what they usually do on the PGA Tour. Yeah, the only literally the only reason I'm interested is, like, it would be badass to win a gold medal. I don't care what the sport is. Like, the first time golf coming back since, whatever, 1904 – that's what you're playing for. You're playing for your country and for a gold medal. Like that, that that's the only thing that interests me. You know what I mean? Like it sounds silly to say that it's about a medal, but like that, that that's just that would be so such a cool thing to have on your resume. But other than that, it's not going to grab my attention too much. Other than it really screws up the PGA Tour schedule this year, especially for Canada, as you mentioned earlier. You, you know that uh, that the last time it was at the Olympics that a Canadian won the uh, won the gold medal. So that's why they gave. That's why they took it out of the Olympics, and that's why they're repaying you this way. They were so worried about world domination. I think that they, must have they been took it. it away. No, I, I, it's it's not going to. I'll pay attention to it, I guess, but I mean, it's it's not going to be uh, at the at the front of anyone's mind. I don't think. 
Well, yeah, and then shortly after, I think, like, what, a month and a half after the Olympics, if that even, we have the Ryder Cup. And I that's the event I'm looking forward to the most in 2016. And you're going to have to talk me off my, my ego-filled ledge here and that I think the U.S. is going to roll this year. I wish I could yes. talk you off of that ledge. I, I, I honestly completely agree. I don't see how... You look at you look at the European team, and obviously, but they the, they're top of they're top of the the world with guys like you know Rory and, and Stenson and, and Sergio and all that. But Justin Rose is another one, obviously. Um, but I really don't see how the U.S. loses this tournament unless you know all of a sudden they have some kind of catastrophic series of events that go that go wrong, and you know maybe someone like Tiger has to play. Um, I, I don't. I don't see how they lose. To be honest. Yeah. No. I mean, I think it's. Uh, I know you're probably not looking at a list in front of you, and I wouldn't expect your name off the top of your head. But like, if we assume Spieth, DJ, ZJ, Ricky, Bubba are on the team, I think those are pretty much the safe six locks, um, safe-ish locks. Then we go Kepka and Holmes are right there in the points. At least when I've last looked at the looked at the standings. And then you got guys like Reed, Justin Thomas, Horschel, Kevin Na. Kevin Kistner, Tony Finau, I don't. You're not poking a hole. There's not a weakness in that team. Whereas, if you were to make a European team as of right now, it would include people like. And I don't mean to disparage any of these players. I just don't think that if you form a team with you know four or five of these guys, that it's really going to strike a lot of fear in in the U.S. team. But Shane Lowry, Danny Willett, Burnt Weisberger, David Lingmurth, Andy Sullivan, and, and Soren Kelson are are would be on the team basically as of now. Um, a lot of things can change. I think Matthew Fitzpatrick's going to play his way into it. Um, again, a lot of things can change in the next nine months. But I'm, I'm outside of the Rory, Rose, Stenson, Sergio, you know, quad. I'm not fearing a whole lot from the European side. Yeah, it, you you've seen a big a big drop off with uh, with the European side. So you look at guys guys like Poulter and Westwood, who have been staples of this team for God, you know, ten years it seems, even more. And uh, they've fallen right off the map. I believe Lee Westwood is still in the top 50 in the world ranking, I think. Um, but Poulter isn't. Um, they actually, the, uh, the Eurasia Cup, which is in a couple of weeks, which Darren Clark is captaining for Europe, he had to pick Westwood and Poulter as his captain's pick, so they didn't even qualify for that team. So, so, I mean, like you're, you're, looking at, you're looking at something you know, where, where they have definitely taken a bit of a hit. Um, I, I would love to see you know the U.S. team go super super young on this and make sure that guys like Justin Thomas and Bert Skepka, you know, even even someone like Kevin Novak, I'd love to see those guys go over there and play. Um, you know, you're going to end up playing against guys like you know, like you said, like Soren Kelson, Shane Lowry, Andy Sullivan. You know, Victor Dubuisson obviously has a little bit of experience, but you're you're not running into what seems like the impenetrable wall that uh, that Europe used to be, at least in the last couple of Ryder Cups. Right. Uh, that Iron Curtain has fallen. <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting into the cold word lately, so that was fresh on my mind. But um, are, you, are you are you ruling Jim Furyk out of this conversation? Because I didn't hear you mention him. I didn't mention him by name. Um, I I'm not ruling him out at this point. I just I this we need fresh blood, and I'm not this. I don't. I know Furyk is one of the most consistent players of this entire generation. His Ryder Cup record pretty much speaks for itself at this point. Um, do I think he's a better player than Kevin Kistner? Probably uh, at this point. But I, 
at some point he's going to have to start a little bit of a downturn in his career, I think. And I, I, I just I think they really are going to embrace the theme of young blood. I think this is this actually is going to be the turning point, uh, going with guys like Thomas and whatnot, rather than I don't know. I I'd have a I'd have actually I have a hard time seeing Davis Love leaving Furyk off the team as a captain's pick, but. I just don't. I'm, I'm maybe it's more of a wish list team than it for me than it is an actual realistic team. But I don't. Right. I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's ninth in the world. I mean, like there, there's yeah. nothing. He's. I think I was looking at something the other day that since June of '96, he's been out of the top fifty in the world, like for like eleven weeks. Like it's insane how good he is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's just. I don't know. Like I, I wouldn't throw him. I wouldn't be throwing him out. I mean, I know you'd love to see Billy Horschel get back up in there. Um, yeah, no, I, I just, it's the most exciting event of the year. It's what I'm definitely looking forward to the most. I just, uh, yeah, I just don't think it'll be as close as it was, um, you know, the, the last couple of years. I, I really do think it's the U.S. who uh, have the upper hand here. I believe, actually, that they've changed the, it's, I believe it's four captain's picks. Yeah, it is this year, so, at least for the U.S. I mean, side. I was going to ask you, yeah. So you, figure, you figure that, you know, you, your, your top guys will obviously still qualify, but then, if Davis Love really wanted to, you know, that's that's where someone like say Justin Thomas, who might not qualify based on points, you know, that that's where that you know that's where he's probably going to have to get picked. But, uh, you watch yeah, your no, mouth. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, the reason I'm just kind of excluding Furyk also is just it, it is a line of thinking more than it is actually thinking he won't qualify or won't be picked. In that, like, if you go the Furyk angle, then you're probably it's a slippery slope to also be start thinking about like somebody like Kucher. And then Webb creeps his way into the conversation. And like that's the exact kind of mindset and thinking that I would hope Davis Love wants to avoid this year. Um, Tiger Tiger's thirty sixth in the standings, man. It it could it could happen. <laughs> Steve Steve Stricker's thirty seventh. He actually said he's playing more this year now too, so you know. It, it, Does, the veteran presence is still something that can happen. Is Stricker even in event? Can he he's not, he's not in the Masters, I don't think, is he? No, he's said actually on Twitter last night that he's he's starting at the Sony and then he's going to the Humana. So he's playing two of the first three tournaments. Wow, must be sick of his family already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we're if we're on the Steve Stricker uh, conversation, but uh, you yeah, know, it's uh, it, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, it's, the, it's the best event that they that they do every two years. So yeah. um, hopefully, it's a little closer than we're making it out to be. But I'm sure that you guys would like to get back on the winning bandwagon. Yeah, and if I'm making jokes about Steve Stricker's family, who's by all accounts is probably the nicest guy on the PGA Tour, then I think it's definitely time to end this podcast because I already feel I don't feel bad about any jokes, and I feel bad about that one I just made. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so, Mr. Sarson, thank you so much for your time. We will be uh, looking forward to reading your stuff on Twitter at Adam underscore Sarson and at, of course, AdamSarson.com. Um, and we will be speaking with you often during the year, I can imagine. So thanks a lot for your time and for coming on, and uh, best of luck in 2016. No problem. Same to you, man. Thanks Later, man. Take care. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Yeah! that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect.